The reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 12, starting at verse 5. If you want to follow it in a Bible that are maybe on the sides, uh, it's page 840. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realise it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered in prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quieten down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Moira. Let's welcome again Stephen Bell, our mission partner in Croatia, and Kent Anderson. Come on up just so we can wave at these guys. It's, um, it is really lovely to be able to connect for the first time with, with Kent, who leads ECM here in the UK, and Stephen, welcome back. It's good to see you. I'm going to go over there and let you guys carry on. Do, let's do what we're going to do. Well, it's great to be here. Fantastic. And um, I just reiterate what George was saying. Uh, I was taught, and it's, I was taught that in any congregation, never assume that everybody's given a life to God, because you might be shortchanging them. Because it's all the best thing to do. It's always the best thing to do to give our lives to God. And when I was 17 years old, after living in a church almost 17 years, I finally gave my life fully to God, and I don't regret it. So uh, it's never too late. It's always the right time. Uh, 
I was just visiting my dad recently. Some of you will know my dad, less and less of you as time goes on. My dad's 97, and he and my mum were here 22 years from 1986 to 22 years later. And, uh, <laughs> and they say it was the best years of their life. And Tabitha and I, my wife, uh, we will be coming actually here in this neck of the woods next uh, September for nine months. And uh, we look to enjoy some of the best times and months of our life here together with you. But uh, we'll actually be going to Cape Renoi Bible College. Yeah, here there's a contingency here, very good. And we'll be there as uh, regular students next year, my wife and I, together with our 19-year-old son. So we're really looking forward to it. We're dreaming for this, and we want that God refreshes our batteries. Um, we are just finishing now our 15-year program of planting a church in Dubrava. You'll see the slides soon. And uh, we feel it's God's time to leave that church. It's a planted church now, finished. Well, not finished, it's ready to go but it doesn't need church planters anymore. So we'll come here for one year, take the opportunity, and then we'll be uh, <coughs> excuse me, going on 50 miles north to another area in Varajdin and uh, helping with the church there that's trying to start other churches. So that's where we are. Lots of love from my wife, and next time you see me, she'll be next to me. Uh, so we put the slides on, please. Uh, here we are in the Dubrava Church, which um, God, by His grace, started using us and other people in 2004. And now, uh, in October 1st, we appointed our pastor, Theophil, there, and his wife, Petya, have been pastor and wife for the last 20 years, and uh, they're younger than me. And uh, they've got lots of enthusiasm, lots of hope, lots of optimism. I think those should be well written into the list of spiritual gifts, because without hope, enthusiasm and optimism it's a struggle and especially if you're with people who don't have that it's an even bigger struggle so we praise God for him and uh, getting to know him the last few months I'm even more excited by his qualities very hands-on he's, um, he's not new age in that sense but he's always into his mobile and different ways of communicating I know email and attached items I can use a mobile and do a few things but he, he just communicates all. We got WhatsApp. I call it WhatsApp, actually, not WhatsApp. And uh, we're now on a little rotation, so we're getting buzzing all the time. But it's how we make decisions, and it's, it's good. And it was interesting because we, made, we laid hands on three deacons added to the church. We upgraded uh, the quality, but we probably downgraded the, the years, you know, the age of people. Downgrade is an upgrade, actually, sometimes, when you get younger people doing things and the older ones move on. And it was good because they honored Tabitha, my wife, there. And although she's been uh, not exactly working like a dog, but she's been doing loads of ministries these last 15 years, uh, youth, you'll see some of the ministries, they decided to honor her and make her a deaconess. And um, then we're going to leave. But uh, it was good for her, and she, it was good for you to know. You know, sometimes you serve the Lord, and it's in the quiet. People don't quite notice, and occasionally someone notices, and it's nice. It's enough that God notices, but it's nice when somebody else notices. So pat somebody on the back when you see them doing something good. At the, at the um, Dubrava Church, as well, has been trying to start other churches, and in 2013, Emmanuel came from Brazil, and he's quite a live wire. And uh, I always wanted to start a church. Oh, is that clicking on? 
Yeah, I, I tend to move when I talk, yeah, so. Um, and uh, Emmanuel started a church there and he's really encouraging, so uh, pray for that work. That's about 15 miles further on from where we are. And then, just three years ago, this is the, the third anniversary, in a place called Verbovets, 20, uh, I think 40,000 people, uh, uh, we started a work there, or God started it, better to say, and there's five people already become Christians, and they're really workers, they're like pillars, so they're all active, and it's a good thing to be, it's a small fellowship, but it's absolutely active. And this is the building we have, so we've got a, a new pastor and his wife, the building is spick and span, I remember when you just finished here and Tim was all excited, you know, the chairs were all having that out of the factory smell and everything was nice. That's just what it's like at our church. We even got a dishwasher, cooker and fridge, which if you knew it was a hole when, I, when we found it, uh, but it's really done nicely, so praise the Lord. But this is the real church, people, and God rejoices in people and everyone's got their own story. And pray that we would go on from strength to strength, serving the Lord, not because we have a building, but because we love Jesus. And this is the new vision, going to a place called Varajdin. Uh, it's a 50,000 town population, and if you think of Lancashire and Lancaster, Varajdin is the county town of the county of Varajdin area, and there's five other towns there, and they don't have the gospel. But... That's one of the church, that's one of the towns, 20,000 people, and uh, this, these two men started a church there about 10 years ago, and this attracted me to them. I was looking for a church as a mission leader, how to encourage people, and I was visiting that church, I was preaching there, and I just looked around and I thought, this fits all the criteria. And so this is a church I've been following the last 10 years, and Nicola on the left there, he's actually my wife Tabitha's uncle, and so Jonathan's her cousin, and he has a vision for five churches in the area. And he said, if I don't live to do this, then my son Jonathan will carry on. And he said, and if Jonathan doesn't make it, if he dies, then his son, my grandson, he said, uh, Noah will carry on. Well, Noah now is an 18-year-old drummer in the band. Oh, incidentally, it was great. Thank you, band. It was good music. And thank you for exporting or lending two of your stars to us uh, uh, Chris and Danny came to uh, Croatia together with a Brazilian caravan. That's about 20 Brazilians, 10 Ukrainians bopping around the Balkans. And they were, they were recognized as honorary Brazilians because they sang so good. And they said they can come back again, so it was good. Uh, and uh, because I'm field leader of the Croatian ECM team, this is the team, some of, most of them actually. And you've got from the left, you've got Ukrainian couple, and then you've got Brazilians, more Brazilians and even more Brazilians. Then there's a German at the back in the middle with his Croatian wife who are looking, do they want to come to Croatia or not? And then you've got some more Brazilian missionaries and then you've got two Croatians, a German, that's my wife, and myself right at the end. So it's a wonderful team and we, we do church planting, we do different things like music kids, women's fellow, uh, breakfasts and helping grandmas from war-torn areas actually with practical jobs but we're looking for mobilizing one of my jobs is finding fishers of men and uh, Kent myself and Emmanuel we're off to Brazil and we went there in November and spent two weeks there and we had a conference and from this conference uh, we expect six people short-termers to come to Croatia in August 
And Kenton Emmanuel, you know, Pastor Yole, he's Pastor 20 years, he's going to be leading these teams. And then the year later in 221, when Tabitha and I finish with Cape and Ray, uh, we'll be coming back and he will be leading a two-year team and it'll probably be a full-time replacement for Emmanuel. When I was there, I was prepared to speak on the Balkans and I had messages prepared. But the day after I got there, the day before the conference, they said, you want, you, we want you to speak six ways of evangelizing Europe. Well, I tried my best. We went on the Amazon and this man on the left, he's, a, he's like a bishop, a Pentecostal, is a leader of 75 churches, you know, an overseer like a bishop. And the idea is if you win his heart with the vision, then you've won the 75 churches. It's a bit winning hearts and minds. And there were four people like him, and we, we actually influenced over 300 churches to mobilize missionaries to send over to Croatia and the Balkans. Pray for this initiative, please. And they're the places we want to send teams to. And one of those areas, for example, the Dubrava Church on a Monday, a team comes, does a lot of things. Sesfeta, that's a Pentecostal church up the road. We actually live in Sesfeta. It means all saints. And then they do the same thing again, maybe slightly varied. And then on the Wednesday, they'll go to Dugoselo, do the same thing again because they've practiced. And then on the next day, go to Verbovets. And then the next day or two, they might do all the teams combined and then do a blitz on one church and evangelize. This is some of the ministries Tabitha gets up to, women's evangelism. There, uh, uh, Benjamin in the middle there is going to Cape Henry this next year. So we do lots of things, and half of the children have not been in church before. Costa and I get to show for them. And we have the youth on other Fridays. And this was a good thing. We got pastors united in Zagreb, over 20 churches together, doing a big evangelism for 1,000 people. And then in the morning, for kids' work for 60, 600 people. So there are children, Shiona, Joshua, and Benjamin, the two older ones have gone to Cape and Ray in years past and now they're studying and uh, Benjamin, after doing Cape and Ray, is looking to study in a place called Liebenzell in Germany where it's a theological college but he could train as a social worker in Christian background. So thank you very much and thanks for your prayers and thanks for giving. Thanks for generally looking after us and caring. St. Thomas's Kendall means a lot to us and we are looking forward to sharing a bit more fellowship. A few coffees, meet at the shopping centre ad hoc in the next year. And now the, the one and only Kent Anderson. It's been a little while since you uh, heard the scripture readings. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have Stephen <clears throat> read through that and I'll kind of interrupt, but it was good that you've heard it in full flow already because you got the sense of it. So, Stephen. So, Peter was kept in prison. Okay, there's three kind of key participants in this story that I need to pull out. The first one is Peter. Um, you can think of him in a sense as a good Christian worker. Um, and the reason he's in this story is because this Christian worker who's done enough, he's gotten noticed. He's actually gotten noticed by King Herod. So when a king notices you enough to stick you in prison, you're pretty obvious. Um, the bad news is, a few verses before this, we read that King Herod had stuck James in prison and then had him killed. Um, and he found out that was so popular, he thought he'd do it again. So Peter has got a real problem. He's not just in prison, probably heading toward death. 
Okay, so that's our first character. Um, to help it draw a little bit more into modern life, I'm going to kind of use Stephen, because you've been connected with him for a while as a church, as an example, a bit more modern example. And when Stephen first went over and started doing mission work, it was when communism was still strong. The Iron Curtain was there. Stephen was having to find ways into countries which were dead set against God, against the gospel. They were atheists. So they were facing a real problem. Please go on. <clears throat> so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Okay, second participant is the church. Peter may have a problem, but he's not in it on his own. He's got the people who know him. The church is back there getting involved by praying. Who are they praying to? Fortunately, they're praying to God, who's the third participant in this story. The church knew who to go to when there was a real problem. But they knew about that because they had a relationship with Peter. If Peter didn't talk to the church, the church wouldn't know what to pray about. They wouldn't have cared about him. So there's a sense of unity that can come together between people that are, so to speak, doing God's work. And I will come back and involve all of you in that. Don't think you're getting off the hook because I'm putting him a bit on a pedestal. Um, he doesn't deserve to be on a pedestal. I'm just using him as an example. Um, and so, we <laughs> but, but there is a good sense to stay connected and know what's going on in the lives of people so you can pray for them. Please go on. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So like I said, he was facing a real challenge. I'd like to birth or earth that a little bit in Stephen's ministry. The first time I met Stephen um, was almost 10 years ago. I joined ECM. So I went to Croatia to see what the situation was. And they'd been planting the first church he talked about, the church in Dubrava. But at that stage, the church was doing okay, but they were meeting in a building that looked a lot like a cricket pavilion. It was not very glamorous. I seem to remember I went and it was very cold. Um, but after he took me to the church, he said, let's go visit the next church. They were on the east end of Zagreb, so we got in his car and we started driving east. So we drove out of Zagreb and we drove... 50 miles before we got to the next church that was preaching the gospel 50 miles we went through villages and through towns and through just vast stretches of countryside and it really grabbed me with the fact here's a country that has a need and that's why they were there please go on <clears throat> suddenly an angel of the lord <laughs> suddenly an angel of the lord appeared and his light shone in the cell God answers. There was a need. The church was praying. Church asks God to show up, and God shows up. And it's very clear that this is God showing up, because it doesn't just say an angel shows up. It actually says an angel of the Lord appeared. Would have thought he would be of the Lord anyway, but it seems to be underlined there a little bit. Um, and we need to remember that God does that, not just in Scripture, but in reality, some of you are old enough that you were actually alive during the time of the Iron Curtain. If you're old enough that you remember that, it's a live thing in your life, raise your hand. Okay? Some of you, it's history. 
That's the way it is. My kids might as well be talking about Cromwell. It's ancient history. But some of you, you remember how the Iron Curtain looked impenetrable. They were in charge. They had tanks. They had armies. They had nuclear weapons. They had all kinds of things. A lot of people prayed. Where are those countries now? Communism's largely gone. Still a few countries holding on to it. I'm not trying to be political. But people prayed, and the countries where you couldn't share the gospel, you can now. Countries where all the churches had been shut down, the churches are coming back. God answered the prayers of God's people in our lifetimes on a global scale. Please go on. Ah, no, I need to jump back in with one more thing. So, I told you about my first trip to Zagreb. I came back to see what was going on. I don't know, a couple years later, something like that. I said, what's going on? So Stephen went and showed me the first church. It's now moving into its own building, but they're in the middle of a big building program trying to figure out how to make it happen. But he then drove me back out of town again. But rather than going 50 miles, we got about 15 miles and stopped. And he showed me the church plant that this church has done. They're still a relatively small church. They're still doing a building program, but they planted another church anyway because they said people need to know about Jesus. Please go on. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on the clothes and sandals, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So here we have Peter, been with Jesus, had all the discipleship training that we wish we'd had, been given the Holy Spirit, apostleship, walked on water at least for a little while, impressive guy, leader of the church. And we read this wonderful bit here, Peter followed along, but he had no idea what the angel was doing. There's times that we do not know what God is doing. Doesn't mean God isn't moving, but actually you're not going to be a Christian long enough that you're going to figure it all out. God's beyond us, particularly if God's doing something big and supernatural. We don't know. Has, has Peter had an angel experience before? Is there a little training manual Jesus put them through? Angels will strike you on this side, so make sure you're... No, I, I'm sure he didn't, but God will lead us into stuff. It's okay to be confused. Go with it. Go ahead. They passed the first and second guards, verse 10, and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Once again, when we read through these passages, it's so easy to kind of miss a little bit of what's going on because we're reading it as this special person. If this had been happening to me, there's a sense where God is supernaturally leading, and it's obvious, right? There's an angel saying, hi, I'm an angel. Dude, um, put your clothes on, you put your clothes on, follow me, you follow him. You know, the goat gate opens by itself, kind of obvious God is doing that supernaturally, and you're following along, and then the angel, and you're kind of left going, okay, I know what I was supposed to have been doing, what am I supposed to do now? 
Has God gone away? No. Has God finished doing stuff in Peter's life? No. But sometimes the supernatural gets to be incredibly clear and obvious if you're fortunate enough to have that. And sometimes it's just not. And Peter, he didn't go and go, oh, I want to meet that angel again. I'm going to go back into prison. No, he got on with what he thought God wanted him to do. So that's another thing we have to accept is it's great when we get that supernatural leading, but it's not all the time. And that's life. Go ahead. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So Peter, at that stage, goes, in a sense, I was confused, but I now know what was going on. I didn't even know if it was a vision or not. Now I know this is real. Once again, that says it's okay to be confused. But what does Peter do? He was confused, and then he learns something, and then he goes on. If God takes us through a time where maybe it's a bit confusing, or even if it's clear, always be looking to learn stuff. Don't get beat up over, I don't always know. Peter didn't, why should you? But learn stuff from it as you go along. Yep. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people... Many people! I'm about to say many people are praying. That's great. When there's a need, sometimes we need to gather together. There's times when your vicar or someone else is going to say to you, this is vital, we need to get together and pray. And I'm not saying getting more people together means God will do what you want. It's not some magical thing where we can control God. You know, if we get 12 people praying, we can get a conversion. If we get 18 people praying, we get a Cadillac. It doesn't work like that. But there's a time that we do, we need to be together to pray. And in this case, we had many people. Please go on. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, and called Mark, where many people uh, had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. I love that little bit. She's overjoyed. There must have been times when Peter had come over to the house before, and you'd say, Ah, oh, Peter, good to see you. Come in. Come have a cup of tea or lamb's milk or whatever they had back then. But, and it was nice to see him because they were friends. She wouldn't have recognized his voice if he hadn't been there before, right? But in this situation, she's overjoyed. Why? Because she's seen what the need is. And when a need is sorted, taken away, fixed, because you care about someone, you're overjoyed. So I want to challenge you from that little bit to say, when we face needs, and we all do, you don't make it through life without facing some big challenges because we're people. Maybe cancer. Maybe financial problems. Maybe the death of a loved one might be being made redundant. I can't tell you what the challenge is you're facing. But that problem, just like the problem Peter had, is an opportunity for God to step in and answer it and experience joy. 
If our life just went along as normal and that we didn't have problems, we probably wouldn't appreciate life being normal that much. But when you face a big bump and then God gets you out of it, you can be overjoyed. So I'd encourage you, when you see it in your own life, ask people to pray for you. If you see other people struggling, step in and pray for them because it's a chance to move toward that moment of joy that Rhoda had when she heard Peter's voice. Please go on. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. I love that. So here's all these people, they're aware of the problem, they care about Peter, they've got together, they're fervently in prayer, God answers it, and their wonderful response of faith is, you're out of your mind, there's no way God's going to answer that prayer. But, and I love this again, it shows God will answer our prayers even if we don't have the faith to believe that God's going to answer our prayers. Because you came to the God, the Father who loves you, who knows how to give good gifts to those he loves. And you said, can you help with this? And God's heart is he wants to help us. So even if you've got some doubts, I'm not encouraging you to have doubts. Faith is a good thing. And it talks in other places about how we need to be steadfast in faith. But Jesus also says, you know, if you've got faith like a grain of mustard seed, that's enough. So don't worry if you've got five grains of doubt and one grain of faith. Hold on to that grain of faith. But even as we see in this story again, we're not going to all get that right. I, I love the fact that Scripture records not just the heroes being perfect, but the heroes being like us. Um, so keep praying. Well, I'd been praying for Stephen, so I came back to Croatia to see what was happening again. By the way, I'm a bit jealous of you guys now because I've been on some of these caravans with the Brazilians and Ukrainians. None of them said I was an honorary Brazilian because I sang well enough. Nothing like that. The Ukrainians, however, who tend to be quite large men, um, yes, it's quite inspiring sometimes. They all look like they should be weightlifters or, you know, Grecan wrestlers. They seemed to take me greatly to heart and were happy to feed me copious amounts of meat. Um, but there we go. Um, so I go back to visit, and the first church now is beautiful. I'm not saying beautiful churches are the key thing, but this church has continued to develop, and it's now to the stage that it was being used if there was like a national televised Christian event. You've had a what, two or something? Yeah, public, they've used that for the venue now because it's gone from being a church plant to a building project to this gorgeous spot. So they have that, but at the same time, so I saw that and that was encouraging. I went and visited the, this church plant again, remember? And then I found out that I could keep going because this church plant has now done this church plant. You, and Peter, not Peter, Stephen, showed the pictures on the board, but it's easy to lose track of the fact that that's actually this progression. And rather than that church just getting caught up in building its great building, at the same time, these church plants were going on. So now, between that one and the one I said at the start that was 50 miles away, there's two more churches that people can actually go to. And that's exciting. Keep going. So Peter kept on knocking. There are times that the people with the need are going to keep knocking. And that's okay. Sometimes we just want them to go away. 
But there's times that we need to be there for the people who have needs. Sometimes it's because the prayer hasn't been answered yet and they're just trying to say, I still need prayer. But actually, sometimes it may be like Peter. They're coming and saying, I can tell you the answer to your prayers. But if we're not listening, we miss the answer as well. Please go on. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought, them out, brought him out of prison. So what's Peter do? He does a testimony. He says, the Lord has done this. Exactly the right thing to do. He encourages the people that were praying. God heard your prayers. He answered, which is why I shared and reminded you the bit about the communism again. It's times we miss and forget the stuff that God has done. Um, So I'd like to encourage you. We all want to be part of a miracle at some level. These people prayed and God did a bona fide miracle. Angels showing up and gates opening and things like that. It's not a bad miracle on a miracle scale. If you want to be part of a miracle, pray you got to take the risk. If you don't pray, you can't even have God say no. But if you pray, you could have God say yes. And when I go back and I visit Croatia now, not only is the stuff that we've talked about been going on, but because of the reputation and credibility that people like Stephen and Emmanuel and Kostya, who is one of the Ukrainians, um, because people have seen them come in and care, and fit into the culture, and churches be planted, when most of the church planters, church, church leaders in Croatia, they kind of, a lot of them have given up. They got really discouraged. They're tired, that's a better word. But they've actually seen churches can be planted again. Because of that, these guys are working through Lausanne to do kind of church evangelism and discipleship training across the nation to help churches, leaders, to have that expectation and the resources and tools to know how to keep going forward and spreading the church. Almost done. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. So that's the end of our scripture passage. Um, But the fact that Peter finishes with that go tell others bit, I want to use that to remind you that it may sound like I said that it's all about the special church leader, but... The only reason Peter was noticed was because he was a Christian who has the Holy Spirit, like you do, who'd been saved by Jesus, like you have been, unless you're the person who hasn't put your hand up yet, and I would encourage you as well to do that. Um, But we've all been called to be a witness. We've all been called, as Peter did, to just say the testimony of what God's done in in his life. Now, he had an exciting story then to tell of angel and gates opening, But we're not called to tell anybody's story but our own. But we're all called to be a witness. And God's doing something in your life. Your job is not to have a better life than God's given you. It's to tell people how God's part of it. So do that. And maybe if you do that now, something else will happen and you step up and you step up. And maybe you'll be the Peter of the future. You could have the opportunity to not just have a big impact of ministry, but be thrown in prison. How exciting is that? Line up now. And the rest of you could have the opportunity to pray for them because they're in trouble. But the journey we're called on by God is simply to go out and start making the difference. And it's okay. I'm wrapping up now in case you're worried about the time. The reason 
you know you can do it, even if there is prison out there, and for most of us there's not. For most of us there's mild rejection, and we somehow let that stop us, don't. Is because Jesus, just as he was getting ready to leave, said to the people who were gathered there, he wanted to remind them that it would work, and he said, all authority. All authority on heaven, if you're worried about spiritual powers, and on earth, if you're worried about earthly powers like Herod, all authority has been given to me. And then he promised, but it's not like, you know, because he was about to go away, wasn't he? So it was like, he wanted to make sure that it wasn't a fleeting thing. He said, I will be with you always. And that promise to them is the promise to us, and it's a promise to you. And that's why you, like Peter, can step up, whether you're the one out front or the one praying in the back even. Maybe you're just Rhoda opening the door. But God's got a gift for you and a job for you and a world, as like Croatia we've been talking about, that's full of needs. Step up. Have the chance to be part of that miracle, whether you're the one who sees it firsthand or the one who prayed it into existence. This is your opportunity. And Jesus is already there with you, and he's ready. My question is, are you? Thank you.